You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. It's Thursday. I'm so happy to have you with us. We're going to have a great time in the word. Now, listen, we've been talking about from the subject dating intelligence, dating intelligence. Now, this series has been about biblical dating habits versus worldly dating habits. This is our 10th and final episode, our final lesson on dating intelligence. For the first five sessions, the first five episodes, we dealt specifically with dating habits. Then in lesson chapter, uh, lesson six and lesson seven, we talked about finding the right mate. Lesson six and lesson seven, we talked about finding the right mate. But in lesson eight, I was quickened by the Holy Spirit to talk from the subject, finding, fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness, fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness. Now, I didn't know how long this would last. So we began part one and then we went to part two. And we're going to conclude with part three today. We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness. In part one, let's review for just a moment. In part one, we define loneliness. We talked about things that are associated with loneliness. We talked about some causes, and then we began to talk about how to overcome loneliness. And we said that there are four keys to overcoming loneliness. Number one, avoid counterfeit solutions. Number two, thought management. Number three, serving others. And number four, intimacy with God. So in lesson eight, part one, we got into the first key, avoiding counterfeit solutions. And you can go back and you can uh, get all this on Facebook. You can go to uh, our Faith Chapel page and uh, you can go back and review what we've taught. In lesson nine, we went to the second key to overcoming loneliness And we talked about thought management, controlling our thoughts. We talked about how our thinking impacts our emotions. And then we gave a whole list of thoughts that we tend to think that contribute to loneliness. And we talked about the importance of casting down imaginations, bringing our thoughts into captivity. We talked about putting our thoughts, the thoughts that we think, to the scripture test, to the truth test. It was good. Now, in this 10th and final lesson, which is 
part three of fighting the good fight of faith against loneliness, we're going to deal with the third and the fourth key to overcoming loneliness. We're going to talk about key number three, serving others, and key number four, intimacy with God. I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're going to be blessed today. So we talked about avoiding counterfeit solutions. We talked about thought management. Let's look at the third key. The third key to overcoming loneliness is serving others. Serving others. This concept, if you think about it for just a moment, is counterintuitive. It, it really contradicts what we would expect. If I am struggling with loneliness, you're telling me, Mike, one of the keys to overcoming my struggle with loneliness is to focus on serving others? That's counterintuitive. I would think that if I'm struggling with loneliness, then someone needs to concentrate on me. Someone needs to focus on me. But when you, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the scriptures, and, and, and when you look at Jesus, who was single, when you look at Paul, who was single, and when you look at Joseph, we, we pulled him out as an example of overcoming loneliness in part one. They were all servants. They all had a servant's mindset. I'm quite sure that there were times when they felt loneliness and there are times when you may feel loneliness or lonely, but I, but I don't think you have to struggle with it. I think that there's, there's some remedies when we are so lonely that we can't function, we're so lonely that we can't be happy about others' success, we're so lonely that we're even thinking about suicide. So let's, let's for a moment look at these individuals. Jesus was single, but you say he was the son of God. Paul was single, but you say he was apostle. Well, what about Joseph? Joseph had, and, and think about it, this guy is 17 years old. He didn't enter into leadership or, or ruling on the Pharaoh Egypt until he was 30 years old. So there's a 13-year span, 13-year, and he's single for 13 years. He's single, okay? He's single in his teens. He's single at 20. He's single at 25. He's single at 29. He didn't get married until after he was in his 30s. Sometime in his 30s, he got married. So, we see in him someone who embraces this concept of serving others. He had a servant's mentality. Let's 
look at the history of his life. He began by serving his father. If you'll go back and look in the book of Genesis, you'll see that he began by serving his father. He also was taken captive to Egypt, and in Egypt, he served an Egyptian officer named Potiphar. This whole deal of him going up the ladder at Potiphar's house began with serving. Then he was lied on by Potiphar's wife, thrown in prison, and we see him serving the ruler over the prisoner. He ended up ruling the prison. And then Pharaoh threw two of his officials in prison, and they were in the same prison. The butler and the baker of, of Pharaoh were thrown in prison, and they were in Joseph's department. And we see him in prison serving Pharaoh's two government officials. Then Pharaoh had a need, and we see him serving Pharaoh, sharing the dream that he had from God. He's serving. Then he's elevated to second in charge over Egypt. And he ends up serving the Egyptian people who had entered into a famine. Then he's serving all of the people in the surrounding areas that needed food. So when you look at his life, we see not a man who's struggling with loneliness, although I'm quite sure he felt lonely at times, but we see a man who's engaged in serving, blessing, helping others who are in need. I believe that serving others is a key to overcoming a struggle with loneliness. Now, when you prioritize self-fulfillment, it leads to loneliness. When you prioritize self-fulfillment, my I need to be fulfilled. I got to have somebody. And you spend all your time thinking about what you don't have, what you need. I need somebody. Everybody else has someone except me. When you, that's your focus, then what you're actually doing is you're actually adding fuel to your loneliness. Self-fulfillment, when it's a priority, will always lead to loneliness. And that's true even if you're married. And I know some of you, you think, you think, well, you talking about overcoming because you got Miss P, you got a wife, you got companionship. Listen, for years, me and my wife struggled, and I'm not ye not a year. We struggled for years, and for years, she's in the bed, I'm in the bed, and we both lonely. She's in the house, I'm in the house, and we both lonely. I mean lonely. I mean like tears flowing down your eyes lonely. Okay, so don't 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 throw that you married stuff. It's a lot of married people that are lonely. 
I focus personally on serving others. I, I focused on that because it was terrible just thinking about how lonely I was. It was terrible. So I focus on serving others. And that's scriptural. Listen what Jesus said. Listen what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 35. We're talking about serving others. He said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you want to save your life, Jesus said, lose it. Just lose it. He said, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So the scripture says that if I save my life, if life is all about me, all about me, the Bible says I'm trying to save my life. I'm self-focused. Then the Bible says I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose the fulfillment that I want. But the Bible says if I lose my life, if I start focusing on helping others, focusing on serving others, there are a lot of lonely people, a lot of people struggling. If I, I'm challenged with loneliness, will focus on serving others. Others become my focus. Helping others become my focus. Then the Bible says, I'll save my life. I'll end up with the life of fulfillment. And that's really that's really consistent with Luke 6, 38. If I'll give, I'll receive. If I'll give, I'll receive. But if I'm focused on what I don't have and I this is what I need, I need some of this. If I focus, all it does is causes me to lose what I really want. Now, I know that's counterintuitive. I know that does not compare to what we would expect. We would expect if we're lonely, we got to focus on ourselves and we need others to focus on us. Now, that sounds like common sense, but we're not talking common sense. We're talking faith. We're talking scripture. We're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God functions for the believer, the Christian, that if I focus on others, I will have others focus on me. If I rejoice with others, then the time will come where others will rejoice with me. So if I go to the wedding and I'm excited about this other person getting married, and if I'm investing and I'm going to help you to be happy, I'm glad you are happy. I'm not going to be sitting up thinking about when is mine going to come? When is it? When am I going to get mine? When am I going to get mine? Because that's adding fuel to my loneliness. But if I move my focus to serving others, it will be a blessing for me. Now, that's Bible. I was reading an article and I wrote it down and I thought it was just interesting because I discovered, now we're talking about that third key. We're talking about serving others. I, I came across an article entitled An Overlooked Cure to Loneliness. This is an article. Science is catching up with the Bible. Science. I'm not, I'm not talking about scripture. I'm not talking about the Bible. Now I'm talking about science. This article said, and it's, the title of the article is An Overlooked Cure for Loneliness. 
And here's the first sentence in the article. Science tells us the solution may lie in what we do for others and not for ourselves. Now, that's science. An overlooked cure is the title of the article, An Overlooked Cure to Loneliness. And the first sentence says, science tells us the solution to loneliness may lie in what we do for others, not ourselves. The article goes on to say, loneliness often stems from unwanted solitude, but it also is driven by a discrepancy between how you perceive your relationship versus what you want or expect from them. Now, what the article is saying is that science has discovered that loneliness often stems from unwanted solitude. In other words, you don't want to be by yourself. You want to be by yourself, so you feel lonely. But it says loneliness is also driven by a discrepancy between, now this is the person who has relationships, may be married, has a romantic relationship, but yet lonely. Now it says, but loneliness can also be driven by discrepancy between your perceived relationship, what you perceive about the relationship, and what you expect or want from the relationship. Other words, you had an expectation out of this relationship. You perceive that this relationship will bring you value, but it's not. The reality is you have a relationship, but it's not adding the value you thought. In other words, you were like Pete and myself. Pete is my wife's nickname. Uh, we have a relationship, but we lonely in the relationship. Now, listen what the article. This is science. Science is catching up with the Bible. A potential cure. Question, what is a potential cure? The article says, kindness toward others, kindness toward others. Science says a potential cure to the loneliness is kindness toward others. Something as simple as volunteer, volunteering can improve our health and ease feelings of loneliness. It says volunteerism, volunteerism, volunteering. Now watch this. The article goes on to say, something as simple as volunteering can improve our health, ease feeling of loneliness, and broaden our social network, studies suggest. In a study of 10,000 volunteers in Britain, about two-thirds agreed that their volunteering helped them feel less isolated and particularly those ages 18 to 34. So those out of 10,000 volunteers, two-thirds says, and these uh, primarily 18 to 34, said volunteering eased their loneliness. Now watch this. The article also, for those who are older, among older adults, social isolation and loneliness 
are associated with higher rates of mortality, that's death, depression, and cognitive decline. In other words, memory loss. So notice it says, in older adults, and I would fall in that category, maybe you fall in that category, it says social isolation, isolating yourself from people. You just isolated from people. Social isolation and loneliness are associated with higher rates of mortality. That's death, depression, and cognitive decline. That's memory loss, intellectual decline. And notice the article says that a cure is volunteering. Wow. I tell you what, every Christian should be volunteering. You should be getting involved. And, and if you're in church and you're not volunteering, you need to start volunteering. If you used to volunteer, but you don't volunteer anymore, you need to go back to volunteering. Science is catching up. One of the cures of overcoming loneliness is to serve others, whether it's in church or in the community, in your neighborhood, serving other people, serving. Get caught up in serving, and I promise you it will ease loneliness. Then the five, the fifth, the fourth key is intimacy with God. This is something here. This is powerful here. Intimacy with God. Now, notice what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about just being saved. I'm not just talking about being born again. I'm not even talking about being spirit-filled and talking in tongues. All that's important, saved. All that's important. All that's important. I'm talking about intimacy with God. Now, that this revelation leads me to believe that if I am, you are, we are struggling with loneliness to the degree that we can't function, we can't be happy, and we may even be suicidal, then there is a spiritual deficiency. There's something missing in my walk with the Lord. If I don't want to live, I don't want to go on, loneliness is defeating me then there's something missing in my walk with the Lord. Now, let's look at, at, at three singles. So let's go back to our three singles. Joseph, Genesis 39, verse 2, verse 21, and verse 23 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. That's not religion. That's intimacy. This boy knew that God was with him. He had a revelation at an early age. He had a revelation, God is with me. That's not, that's not religion. That's not just going to church. We should go to church, but that's not that. That's intimacy with God. Then Jesus, in John 16, 32, it says, the, Jesus said, the Father is with me. Now, if you read in John 6, it says hundreds, possibly thousands of followers left Jesus. They just left him. 
He turned to the 12 said, are you going to leave? He said, the father is with me. That's not religion. He was the son of God, but that's intimacy. God is with me. And then Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.17, he said, the Lord stood with me. He said, when everybody else deserted me, he said, when everybody left, the Lord was with me. That's intimacy. That, that's intimate, an intimate relationship. Now, I want to ask a question. Oh, this is good. This is good. Oh, this is good here. Now, watch this. I want to ask you a question. Why did God create Adam? He created Adam, put him in a garden, by himself, and then, because we don't know how long he was by himself, we don't know, we don't have, like he was there and Eve showed up three months later, we don't know, he could have been in that garden for years, he could have been there for years, and then in Genesis 2.18, he said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Well, my question, God, if it's not good for him to be alone, not lonely, alone, why did you put him in the garden and then bring Eve later? Why didn't you just create them, put him in the garden, put her in the garden in the beginning? Why didn't you, why didn't you say, I did this, it was good. I did this, it was good. I, and he looked at everything, it was good. And then in Genesis 2.18, he said, it is not good that this man should be alone. So God, why did you put him in the garden alone by himself? Not lonely. He, Adam was not lonely. He was alone by himself. Why did you put him alone and then a space of time before Eve came in the picture. And remember, we don't know how long that could have been years. It could have been five years. It could have been a decade. We don't know. We assume he created him. Then two days later, he created Eve. We have no evidence he could have been in that garden for five years, 10 years, decades. We don't know. Because think about it. The guy lived to be over 600 years. He could have been in there 50 years. So why did you put him there and then come back and say it's not good? Okay, listen at this. I believe this is going to help you. And, and, and you can debate it, whatever you want. But it is a revelation about intimacy. I believe that God wanted Adam to make him God and his relationship with him a priority. I believe God put Adam in that garden alone because God wanted relationship with Adam and he wanted his relationship with Adam to be a priority. Listen at this. God wanted to be man's first love. I want to be your first love. I don't want you to think about and, and be all into someone else, Adam, until you love me. I want us to have a thing. I want us to have a thing because no man 
or woman can provide what God provides. He was in the school of training. Adam, no one, no one in Adam didn't know what he was talking about, but no one can provide for you, Adam, what I can provide. Only God can fulfill all of our relational and fulfillment needs in our lives. That's why the Bible in Colossians 2.10 says you're complete in Christ. Complete. Complete. And if you're single, you got to stop thinking, I'm not complete. You are complete in Christ. And technically, God intends for whole people to meet whole people, not a 50% person meeting another 50% person and now they complete. No, you are complete in Christ. Listen at this. If intimacy with God, we're talking about intimacy. If intimacy with God is not established first, you will be constantly frustrated because you will be trying to find in a person what only God can provide. And that's the mistake that Pete, my wife, and I, because we were lonely. She was lonely, and I'm right there by her side trying to do my best. And she came to a place well, she realized I could not make her happy. I couldn't complete her. And I came to that conclusion. She can't make me happy. And we were frustrated. And there are people who are frustrated because they're trying to find in a person fulfillment that can only be found in God. So if God is not your first priority, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. And Boaz is going to show up and Esther and Ruth going to show up and maybe fine and you're going to still be lonely. And I am proof of that. So don't throw that thing. You married. You, you got somebody. Listen to me. God is love, and what God intends, he intends for us to love others with his love, not ours. Adam, Adam, I'm love, Adam. He didn't say this, but I'm going to walk you through it. Adam, I'm going to give you somebody. But I want you to experience my love first. I want intimacy with you, Adam. I want you to experience my love because I'm love. And I want you to love that person I'm going to bring into your life with my love, not yours. Because, Adam, if I bring Eve in your life and you try to love her with your love, it's going to be messy. But if you experience my love first and then you love Miss Eve with my love, it's going to be heaven on earth. So God intends for us to love those that he bring in our lives. Companionship. 
whether it be a best friend, whether it be a parent, whether it be a sibling, whether it be a romantic relationship or a spouse, he intends for us to love them with his love. But if we have not experienced Because guess what? When you experience God's love, you're not walking around depressed because you don't have somebody in your life. You are happy in God's love. The issue is most Christians are born again and they're saved, but they don't have intimacy because there's no love like the Father's love. No love like the Father's love. And God intends for you to experience that love and then love others through it. So, when we enter into a genuine experience of God's love, we can genuinely love others. So God intended for Adam to be the pattern. I'm convinced that's why God put him in that garden by himself. Because God wanted us to see he wants relationship first he wants intimacy first then he'll bring somebody maybe maybe God is waiting for something from you toward him not a significant other maybe he wants you to enter into intimacy with him and walk with him so that you'll be prepared to love whoever he brings with God's love. He intended for Adam to be the pattern. Now listen at this. The ingredients of intimacy with God is quality time. You got to decide. I'm not going to run all day and all night and all week. I'm going to spend quality time with God because you can't be into with nobody. You don't spend time with them. Number two, authenticity. That's a quality of integrity. I'm going to have time with God. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to bring my true self. I'm not going to try to impress God. I'm not going to be phony and fake with God. I'm going to come and be an authentic person because God knows you. And you don't have to have these religious words. You don't have to try to be perfect. You're going to be authentic. I'm bringing myself. I'm bringing my weaknesses. I'm bringing my inability. I'm bringing all that. I'm going to be my authentic self. And I'm going to talk to you in an authentic way. And the third key is transparency. I'm going to be open. I'm going to talk to you. If I'm angry, I'm talk to you. If I'm mad, I'm talk to you. If I'm sad, I'm going to talk to you. I ain't going to say I'm blessed of the Lord and highly favor. I'm going to be authentic, transparency, and then I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I want a relationship with you and I'm going to have a relationship with you and I'm not going to be loyal with the word and try loyal with the word and try to be loyal to you. I'm going to go for you, God, and I'm going to go all my might and I'm not going to love the world and try to love you at the same time. And then I'm going to protect your name. I'm not going to talk bad about the kingdom. I'm not going to talk bad about the church. I'm not going to put nothing down. I'm going to protect you. 
I'm going to protect you and I'm expecting you to protect me. I'm going to protect your name. I'm never going to put your church down. I'm never going to put your word down. I'm never going to put you down. When I talk about you, I'm going to protect you, God, and I'm expecting you to protect me and there's going to be mutual benefit. There's, I expect when I give all to you, I expect you to give all to me. I'm going to benefit and then finally I'm going to develop a faith-based relationship with you. I'm going to show if the Bible say you good, I'm going to say you good. If the Bible says you love me, I'm going to say, I'm not going to move. By, I'm not going to talk my feet. I, I don't believe this. I don't believe it. I believe you're not with me. No, the Bible say you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I'm just going to agree with it. I'm going to agree with your word. I'm going to develop that relationship. And when I feel like you're a thousand miles away, I'm going to thank you for being with me because you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'll close with this. Matthew 13, 44 in the New King James Version. I'll close right here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid and for joy over it, he sold all that he had and he bought that field. Uh, Jesus tells this parable. He said a man went out into a field and there was a treasure hidden in the field. He found the treasure, took the treasure and hid the treasure because he didn't want anybody else to get it. And then he went and sold everything he had so he could buy this treasure. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying to the treasure brought joy worth letting go everything else until we diminish the value of all competing treasures. Fulfillment will elude us and loneliness will be our constant companion. In other words, intimacy means I sell out, I sell out. I sell everything I had, and I turn to you. You're going to be my treasure. You're going to be the one that I treasure. No one, no person, no relationship, no thing is going to compete. You're going to be my number one. Listen, when you get to that place where he's number one, and you're not going to let anything compete against that, He's your treasure, and you're moving to know him. You're moving into that relationship. You want closeness. I'm telling you, there's no way in the world that you can move in there to be close to God, and God not going to give you the desires of your heart. Listen, I believe that the desire for companionship is not inconsistent with God's will. I believe the desire for companionship is a God-given desire. If you want companionship, God wants it more than you. God just wants you to want him and a relationship with him more than you want this. And if you will swap it up, because all your energy has been moving in this direction. If you move, pull, uh, pull that back, put all your energy here, then God will bring this up. God will do it, I promise you. 
Listen, this is the end of our series on dating intelligence. I trust you've been blessed. I believe it's a blessing. Go back and listen to all the episodes, 10 of them. Go back and listen to all of them. You can go on YouTube and you can go on our Faith Chapel page and you can pull this back up, listen to all of them, and then share it with someone. I want you to share the information with someone. I had a question asked me in my Tuesday podcast. They asked me in, on my Tuesday podcast about the shootings that were going on. And they asked the question, why didn't God stop the shootings? That, that stirred something in me. And so I'm going to do a series because I was intending to move toward marriage and I'm going to pick up on marriage after I do this series. I'm going to do a series in our next episode on why doesn't God stop tragedies? Why doesn't God stop tragedies? You don't want to miss that. I love you. I pray you have a good rest of the week, and I'll see you next time.